0: I don't know if you noticed, but there was a brother singing with the praise and worship team today. Brother Stephen! Yes, sir, thank you, thank you. If we couldn't get his daddy, we got the next best thing. Amen, 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 amen. amen. Praise the Lord for Brother Stephen and how he's growing. Amen thank the Lord for all of the young people that are stepping up and allowing the Lord to use them to serve. How many of you know it's a privilege to serve? Amen. Amen. In John chapter 14, beginning in verse 12, as has already been read, most assuredly I say to you. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Let's say this together, verse 14. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Amen. Father, we bless you and we thank you for your visitation today. May it become for each of us in a very intimate way a habitation where your presence remains and the manifestation is revealed. We thank you and we bless you. In the mighty name of Jesus, the church said, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And it's good to be back in the saddle again. Amen. 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 And uh, our youngest son got a year older yesterday. He's getting old 25, deacon, elder. Yep. And uh, 25 years old. That is so hard to believe. Time, time is not waiting on anyone, amen? Amen? Amen. Recently, I finally gave in to purchasing a new personal iPhone X. I am now putting it away, the proud owner of an iPhone X. I don't know how to do that yet. I am told that there are at least 10 new features on my iPhone that sets it apart from all previous versions. That's what I'm told. (laughs) And when Brandon sees me with my, my iPhone X, He'll ask me, Dad, did you try this feature, or did you try that feature? My normal reply is no. <laughs> I didn't know it could do that. <laughs> Whatever you say it can do, I, didn't, I wasn't aware. I'm not, I'm not informed. <laughs> now here's what I know. If I learn how to use my iPhone correctly, I'm going to get my money's worth and more. Anybody want to get your money's worth of what you buy? Amen. Amen. Aren't these phones expensive? I'm about to take up a special collection after church. You see, the iPhone X can do everything it was designed to do. My responsibility is to discover how to get out of my iPhone with Apple has put into it. It can do all it was designed to do. The only limitation to the iPhone X based on its design in terms of it be reaching its fullest potential for service is me. <laughs> if I don't learn how to use it, it won't be because the capability is lacking with the phone because the phone is designed to do exactly what Apple developed it to do. In the gospel, the apostle John speaks the words of Jesus and he makes an astonishing statement. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. But, the work, but he says, here's what blew me away. The works that I do, you will do even greater works. Essentially, Jesus says, I have designed purposed, and destined each one of you as a believer for greatness. I've designed you for it. In fact, the greatness that I have, I've fastened you for, will even surpass the greatness of my own earthly works. You have been designed, destined, constructed for greatness. Every single person under the sound of my voice has been tailor-made by the Lord Jesus Christ for greatness. Like the iPhone X, the potential for greatness is present in each one of our lives. The Apostle Paul puts it this way, being confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work, he will perfect it until the day of Christ. The Lord began the work. He placed everything inside of us that we need to accomplish greater works than the ones that he did do. God will do his part. We can be fully confident. The issue is never God. The question is, are you going to get all of the potential that God has placed in you, out of you? The Bible tells us to work out your own soul salvation with fear and in trembling. The Lord is saying, work out what I've already worked in. Everything that you and I need. To avoid hating on somebody, feeling inferior to others, needing to search for significance and value, you have your value in him. You are fearfully and masterfully made by the creator's hand. You are designed for greatness. But in order for that greatness to be realized, it needs to be activated. It needs to be activated. Let me share three thoughts about greatness according to God's design. Because sometimes Christians are uncomfortable with the word greatness. It sounds so worldly. It sounds so self-centered. So egocentric. Alter-ego-ish. But there is a divine greatness that you were designed for. The first thing that I'm going to consider with you is what does the Bible teach about greatness for the believer? What does the Bible teach about personal greatness? Secondly, why does it matter that you strive for it? What difference does it make if you don't? So the question is why? Why does it matter? And then finally, I want to talk about briefly How can you experience greatness in your life? Now, I listen to all of my spiritual sons, the ministers that I'm responsible for. I listen to your sermons in my absence. You guys did a good job. Good job. Good job. I just want to say that. Amen. Amen. That's all I'll say about that. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, what is true greatness according to the Word of God? I needed to say that, I had planned it didn't come out when I wanted it to. So <laughs> Amen. Amen. I didn't lose anybody, did I? You still saved, brother. Yeah, okay. Amen. Amen. When the Bible talks about greatness, there are two primary words that are used. One in the Old Testament and there's another word that is used a uh, majoritively in the New Testament. And the Old Testament word is yasar, yasar. And the way it's rendered in our English Bible, when you're reading your Bible in the Old Testament, you'll see the word upright. Sometimes it'll be rendered righteous. And then other times, as in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, where the Lord says that Abraham is gonna make you a great yassar, great nation. It's, It's translated great. It refers to one who is straight and does not depart from God's way. So when you are your shard, you are straight, and you're not departing from God's ways. Notice the two sides of the coin. Yashar, or, or greatness in the Old Testament, stresses two aspects. It has to do with who you are on the inside. The real you when nobody else is looking. <laughs> Uh, it has to do who, who, are, who, who you are on the inside, which is character. And he says one who is, is straight, not pretending, not, not play acting, not perpetrating, but who is a state of being. And so the first aspect of the Hebrew word, shard has to do with who you are on the inside, what you really made of. And then secondly, greatness speaks of what you do. That has, to, that has reference to your conduct. The internal is character. The external is conduct. It says who does not depart from God's ways. And so the external is based on your conduct where the person who is great does not depart from God's ways. And we know that the ways of God are revealed in the word of God. And so every time that I am walking straight and I'm I'm lined up with the word of God and I'm doing what God says, at that moment of my obedience, I'm being great. Mm -hmm, It ain't ain't that deep. I'm being great because I'm walking uprightly. I am walking according to the standards of God. Now, people may be very impressed. You may get patted on the back. They may celebrate you. They may fall out on the floor. Didn't he sigh? And Didn't he shout? And see how high he lifted his leg? And man, I didn't know somebody could stick their tongue out that far. And man, did you hear them high fiving and coming? They didn't even. I wonder if they even came down yet. And we call that worship. But the Bible says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God is concerned about your shore. He's concerned about your character. He's looking at your heart. He's weighing the reason why you do what you do. He's concerned about your motives. When your motives line up with the message of the word of God, you're great. You know, for years, I did things. To impress people, I offered seats on the bus to ladies so that they could say, What a nice gentleman. His parents really raised him well. And I can't believe that they still raise children like this. He is so courteous. I thought chivalry was gone. And, and I'd be, I wouldn't say, I'd say thank you, but I'd be, mm hmm, mm hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lord showed me. My motive, when one day I offered a lady, I had my football uniform on, helmet, and pads, and no, shouldn't have been going home with helmet and pads anyway, trying to let everybody know that I was on the football team. I might not have been playing, but I was on the team. At the 10th grade, Coach, I did play in the 12th grade. <laughs> Take that by faith. And I offered my seat up after long practice a long day at school. And the sister sat down, took up two seats, sat down and rested and just and, and got, and she never said thank you. I was standing there in my spiritual self, and I'm thinking, how dare her not acknowledge my gesture. I had done the right thing. For the wrong reason. I want you to know that when you're in the Lord, you're going to spend a lot of your time doing the right things, coming to church, for the, that's the right thing to do. But why are you really here? Why are you? So, 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 so Yeshar has to do with our character that is evidence. God calls those who do things for the wrong reason that are seeking greatness, hypocrites, perpetrators, smoke, and mirrors. The New Testament has, a, a Greek, the Greek word is artes, artes, like artists. It means to have an attitude of excellence that is tied closely with purpose. Actions without purpose is futility. You got a bunch of churches that got programs coming out of their ears. But they are not fulfilling divine assignment or purpose. That's why the church has little or no impact on what's happening in the world, let alone Wilmington. Let's say in 1912, on April 19th, a Sunday morning, you happen to be on the unsinkable ship called the Titanic. The captain actually said even God himself couldn't sink this ship. But here you are, this great masterpiece of human technology is sinking. They're not enough brass for everybody, so somebody's gonna die. And here's the idea you come up with. I might as well straighten out the chairs on this deck. Man, they are out of order. Let me get this thing looking right, at least when it goes under. Now, not only is that crazy, but if you're doing an action that has no legitimate purpose, The result is not going to be greatness. You may get attention. You might even get straight jacketed right into a a life deck because you'd be crazy. You ain't going to die crazy. But true greatness is always attached to design, to purpose, to assignment. Not just moving chairs around the Titanic. Not just having another ministry at the church. Not just going through the motions. What is the divine purpose? The Bible says for everything there's a time and an epoch, there's a season. We have to be moving in the in, in we have to be moving in the flow of the Spirit of God for the purpose to be timely. Unless we're on the Titanic that's sinking and we're just shuffling chairs. Somebody say amen. amen. Excellent or greatness means to be much more than ordinary. I don't just want to be a good husband. I want to be a great husband. That's what I want to hear. My wife say, "My husband, he's a great husband. He's a great." That's not egotistical. That's biblical. Amen. Too many of us are settling for mediocre and mundane and routine, and our highest expectation when we come to church is the hope that nothing is different from what it was the last time we were here. That's not the kind of God we serve. God moves in mysterious ways, and his wonders are to behold. I want you to understand something. The God we serve, he's not a gentleman. He's not trying to make your makeup look good. He's not trying to make you comfortable. He's trying to change you through transformation on the inside that you might reflect him on the outside. To be much more than ordinary, larger than others, of the same kind, higher quality, above average. Does that describe your life? Superior and that which is distinguished. Does what you do stand out as a believer? Is it light? Is it salt? Does it cause people to hunger and thirst when you distinguish, when you, when you, obviously we are distinguished because we are a peculiar people. We're a holy nation. You ought to stand out with excellence. Attitude speaks again about what's on the inside. Oh God, if you were the Lord who is our mission, if you could, Listen to some of the things that we say to ourselves between these two ears. Our attitude, the Bible said, let this mind, let this attitude, let this disposition that is in Jesus be in you. In order for that to be true, we got to lose our minds. Because our thoughts are not his thoughts, neither are his ways our ways. So the attitude is an internal mindset that comes from learning to think about yourself the way God thinks about you. The problem is not outside of you. It's not her. It's not him. It's what's going on inside of your head, between your ears. And those thoughts are not the thoughts that come from God. And I don't care how sunny the day, how good the, 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 whatever the function is, if your mind is that not, if it's not the mind of Christ, you're going to see it in a distorted way. You'll never be able to rejoice with those who rejoice. Because you'll be having a private pity party. Purpose speaks about why we do what we do. Are you still with me? And so, while actions, again, focus on the external, everything that you do for Christ, you should seek to do it with excellence and superiority and distinctiveness that it stands out not for people to pat us on the back or recognize us, but for him to get the glory, just the privilege to serve. He, I don't, he doesn't need us. We need him. The Bible says, I, Jesus, I you did not choose me. I chose you. Thank you, Jesus. When it comes to greatness, there are two kinds of people in this church right now. Paul describes them in Philippians chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, the Apostle Paul speaking from a jail cell. He says, it is true that some of you preach out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill, two types of people serving in the church. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel, the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. The more they preach, the, the greater recognition they receive, and the less people think about me, and the greater the likelihood of me remaining in jail. Some people actually preach hoping I stay in jail. But what does it matter? Oh, oh, oh. I want you to understand, when you get a picture of true greatness in Christ, you can respond like Paul said, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because, this is, and because of this, I can rejoice. Here's the first group. Group one seeks outward greatness through perks. Say Perks. perks. Paul calls perks selfish ambition people who seek the praises and recognition of people, accolades from from men. And then the second group is those who who seek to serve the Lord because of purpose. That's your assignment. That's your task. I, I, I don't care if they... Acknowledge it or not, this is what the Lord has told me to do. And as for me and my house, I don't know about what you're going to do, but as for me and my house, I am going to serve the Lord. What group do you fit in? I'll tell you how you can know. If you're on the perk side of it, ambition and jealousy and competition, First time somebody look at you funny, you quitting. But when you're doing it for the Lord, you see the author and the finisher of your faith, who he saw the cross, but he looked beyond the suffering. He looked beyond the pain. He looked beyond the indignities. He looked beyond the degradation, and he died for you and me. He hung there. Are you serving for perks or purpose? Now what does greatness mean in the world? I'm glad you asked. Oh, what led me to this message? I had other things that I thought to preach on. But the death of Aretha Franklin and Senator John McCain, great people moved to tears when I thought about the impact that they have had on the world. And then I said, what about me? What is my living legacy? What impact am I leaving on the world? And extending from me to you, what are you doing to make a difference that will be not so much that you'll remember, but what you did? will be remembered. Here's what the world thinks greatness is. Power. A person's greatness is defined by what they have the ability to control. We look up the people who are controlling and dictatorial. Isn't that scary? The more arrogant a pastor is, the more the, the people just love him. They just can't get enough of him. You act like you're humble, you're trying to serve God. They step not over you, they step on you. And then when you try to get up, they put their foot on your neck. Bible says that God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. But we look up to people who seem to be able to step in a room and everybody just sits at attention and chops up and, oh, here he comes, here she comes. To the world, greatness is power and control that is usually wielded through fear. You're afraid of what you might lose if you don't recognize the person who is controlling. It also means prestige. A person's greatness is defined by compliments and accolades you receive. So the more you get compliments, the more more people who like you, Facebook, FaceTime you, and uh, 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 what is the other stuff that they do? They tag you. It uh, was a singer that was just on uh, uh, at Aretha Franklin. They talked about how she dressed and she just tore the house down. And, and then she liked what they, she liked they, that they liked her like. And she sent it out to them. Hey, Tasha Cobb, God bless her. <laughs> Position, greatness is measured by your titles and your credentials. Oh, here comes... <laughs> And some people think that if they get another degree, get another credential, get another title, that parking space that I park in doesn't make me in charge of anything. It's the call of God on your life that gives you the influence. The sheep hear my voice because God has placed this flock under my watch care. I am the under-shepherd. So you can get all the parking spots you want. You can get a nice placard over your door <laughs> with all of your degrees. I had a minister who came, and he dropped down like 30 different credentials that he got from 30 ch- different churches he got probably got put out of to, to prove to me that he was, no, that doesn't qualify you. It meant that you're unstable, and, and like every, the wind that is tossed by, yeah, that's all that meant. You can keep your paper. And here's the fourth thing that that, 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 uh, uh, greatness means. Possessions. Greatness is measured by the things that you own, where you live, what you drive, what you got in the bank, how much you pay for your clothes. Are they designer or do you get them from Walmart or Target? People will measure you. Do you have on uh, $300 sneakers? And those are the things that the world measures as greatness. i got to get the next Jordans. i got to get the next bronze. You can't even pay your light bill, and you're wearing three hundred dollars shoes, sneakers. They ain't gonna make you jump any higher. They ain't gonna make you get nobody that's ma- that matters. Jesus condemns this type of behavior in the church. He calls them. To, he called the disciples together, in Matthew chapter twenty. This is the word. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. Instead. Whoever wants to become great among you must be the servant. And so greatness in the church is not a struggle for the top. It's a struggle for the bottom. It's the struggle. Say, Lord, who can I serve? Who can I bless? Whose needs can I put above my own? That's greatness in the kingdom. You sitting around waiting for somebody to make your day. Show me that in the Bible. It's not there, because love is something that you do. Not some, it's, it's about giving. It's not about receiving. If he would only change, I'd, do, I'd cook for him again. If he would just get his act together. That's not what, show me that in the word. I hear the word saying, as unto the Lord, come under the authority of your husband. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church, He didn't love it so much that He died. Not because the church was perfect, but because of agape. It shouldn't be in the church that we're defining greatness by what the possessions and power, prestige, popularity. Who sang the best? Did you see that dress she had? Oh. We We't totally miss the message, the, 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 what God, what was God what was God trying to do? The devil was a liar. Okay, let's run on. We're going to be done. Are you still with me? Yeah huh. I'm back. Why the seeking? godly greatness matter why does it matter we've already seen that there's a difference between worldly greatness and godly greatness but why does it matter first of all it's commanded in second timothy chapter 4 verse 5 when you get a chance the apostle paul tells timothy he says but you be watchful be on alert be on guard be sober and all things endure affliction go through something christian take a licking and keep on ticking christian He said, do the work of an evangelist. But here's the part. Fulfill your ministry. Complete the task that God has assigned to you with excellence, with distinction. If These people don't appreciate what I'm doing. I ain't coming to church. I'll get around to when I get around to. You ain't saying that to your boss. And guess who gave you that job? Guess who gave you that mind? Guess who's keeping your heart beating and and causing you to have a roof over your head and food on your table? And we have the audacity to say to God by our attitudes and our actions when I get around to it. I'm so glad that the Lord didn't say that when it came time to die on the cross. He said, nevertheless, nevertheless, you ought to be glad I'm here. I want you to understand something. Don't be offended. When I wasn't here, the church rolled on. And when the Lord calls me to glory, the Jesus, I will build my church. And Tony Benson, <laughs> Elder Gray. Manuel will not prevail against my church. The church is going to go on. The Lord does not need any of us. We're commanded for greatness. Don't give the Lord your leftovers, your seconds. You know how upset you get when you get home, your McDonald's is cold? (laughs) I ordered fried. They gave me me fish sticks instead, or onion rings. I'm gonna call a manager down in California, cause I ain't taking this. Lord can't even get a french fry from you. Here's another reason why it matters to pursue greatness that is godly. It cures carnal competition. Oh, God. I I just want you to know this nothing bothers me more than Christians doing things trying to outdo the next one. Nothing bothers me more than that. Nothing. If I was a cussing man, that would make me cuss. We were on the same team. I said it. Yeah, that turns my stomach. That's why when I'm not here, I had a hard time finding out where to go to church. I'm sick of Church. I'm sick of church the way it is, the busy bees for Jesus, the 100 ladies in green for Jesus, and the happy honey bees for. I'm sick of it. Sick of it. Paul says, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each. I planted and Apollos watered, but God, but God, but God, he gives the increase if it's going to be fruitful, if it's going to be a blessing, if it's going to have eternal results. It'll be God. Pursuing greatness helps secure carnal. I believe in giving honor to whom honor is due. We're going to do that, too. That's scriptural. I ain't seeking it, though. Most of you don't even know how to take me. I ain't motivated by money. You can see by what I'm driving and where I'm living. I ain't excited about the crowd. I'm going to preach the same way if only two of you come. I'm going to talk to you about what that say of the Lord. And here's why. Here's the third reason. Here's why you should be pursuing excellence and greatness. It's a compulsion. Paul said, if I don't preach, he said, I am indebted. There ought to be something on someone on the inside of you that. Causes you to lose sleep because you didn't do something that God told you to do to be a blessing to somebody else. I'm compelled. If I never made a dime, keep on paying me, I would preach the word. Sometimes I say, I'm miserable, I'm unhappy. I don't know. The reason you are because you're not doing anything. When you are serving the Lord, there's always something for you to do. It may not get you a lot of recognition. But I ain't looking for my reward down here. I hear the Lord saying. When I stand before him, which leads me to the final thing. The reason why we should seek greatness is because the crown is a crown issue. Each one of your works will become clear, and that day It will declare it because every man's works will be revealed. All of our works will stand before the Lord. You're going to give an account for what you've done with the gifts and the talents that he's given you you will have to give an account. And if you haven't used the gift, you won't get a crown because you never bore your cross. Without a cross, there's no crown. We want the crown. We want the glory. But we don't want to go through anything. My stop, oh, you got to stay a little extra. You got to pray a little harder. You got to let these people not, no, no, without a cross. Let me finish up with this. How do you experience greatness in Christ? Anybody want to know? Some of you said amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to tell you anyway. Again, going back to John 14, verse 12. I said, more surely I say unto you, he who believes in me, The works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do because I go to who? Oh, some of you are reading your Bible to my father. Here's what Jesus means by greater works. By greater works, I believe that Jesus is speaking about the impact sustained over time by the church through the centuries. So we're never going to do greater works than Jesus. When's the last time you resurrected somebody from the dead? When is the last time you heard about a Christian walking on the water? When is the last time you heard of a Christian dying? and running? Now, I'm not saying that the Lord can't do that. But what he's saying is that collectively, because Jesus' ministry was only three, the public ministry really only lasted three years, he accomplished more in three years than we'll accomplish in 33 years of lifetimes. So He's And then the Bible says the, the, the miracles that Jesus did, can't even be contained in the Bible. That's how many more miracles he did. We only read about the ones that the Lord wants us to know about. And so the greater works is that when I got saved, I became a part of the kingdom of God and jointly through the body of Christ around the world over the centuries of time until Jesus comes back, the cumulative effect and result will be a greater result because we were able to reach more people than Jesus did during his earthly ministry. I'm not eliminating miracles and other things that the Lord does. What I'm saying to you, don't match it against miracles. Because I, every time I pray, I don't remember the last time I prayed and it got answered. Because he said, anything you ask in my name, I'll do it. Well, that hasn't happened for me, so maybe. No, no, that's not what he's, there's not a, an exact parallel. Do you hear me? Do you understand? Okay, let's move on. Here are the four quick things. In order for you to walk in the greatness, the excellence, the the superiority of Christ who's in you as a distinguished server of the Lord, the first thing you need, he says, he who who believes in me, the work that I do also, he will do the work that I do also. The first thing is salvation. You got to be saved. A transaction must occur. You must become the property of the Lord Jesus Christ by trusting him as your Savior and your Lord, plus nothing else. So the only reason that you can truly be great is the first step is salvation. He who believes in me and the works that prove that I am who I say I am. I am the Father or one. And so salvation, are you saved? If you know Jesus, then you're ready. You already have what you need. Secondly, say the selfless service, motivated by desire to please God. He says, greater than these will he do. Greatness demands that you do something. It's a sacrifice. Here's how you get over you. Start thinking about other folks. Self-image is going. I mean, you talking about all the stuff that you're trying to buy it and stretch it out and augment it and accent it. Serve without strings attached, and before you know it, you ain't going to be seeing a disaster when you look in the mirror. You're going to be looking at yourself differently because, you, first of all, you're going to spend less time looking at yourself because you're going to be too busy serving the Lord you want to overcome bad self-esteem, become selfless. Think of yourself as you ought to. How should you think we are servants one of another? Oh, I done saved you $150 at at your therapist. You don't have to go. Stop focusing on you. Stop focusing on what you didn't do that you said you weren't going to do. Focus on what the Lord wants you to do today. Paul says, for this reason, I press towards the mark of the high calling, forgetting those things that are behind. I can't change yesterday, but I'm going to press today. Selfless service. Say selfless service. Here's another thing that is needed for greatness in the kingdom. Supplication is needed for greatness. Say supplication. Supplication. That's prayer, y'all. He says, whatever you ask in my name. That will I do, so the Father will be glorified in the Son. Prayer in the name of Jesus according to the will of God is what activates the resources that we need to do the work. That's what it means when you pray in Jesus' name for whatever. He's talking about whatever it takes to do the work that is greater than the works that he did. Every time you pray that prayer, that will be answered. If you ask for the resources to do what he called you to do. And here's the final thing. We're done. Supplication is needed. Selfless service. Salvation. And finally, steadfastness of faith. Hey, steadfastness of faith. Steadfast. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. You have to believe in the authority that comes in the na- with the name of Jesus. You have to be unmovable. You have to be undeterred that what you pray according to the will of the Lord, that you can have full confidence Amen. that it will be done. That's where greatness comes from, steadfast faith, salvation, selfless service, and supplication. You want to you be great? How much time are you spending on your knees in prayer? How much time are you talking to the Lord? How much are you turning over to the Lord? When the Bible says, cast your cares upon me because I care, How much are you leaving? You come to the altar every other Sunday, and you go to leave sometimes the same way you came. You know what that means? You lack faith. You are depending on your own strength. And here's how we learn how to depend on the strength of the Lord. It's not when you face the great challenges. It's just being obedient in the small things. Faith comes by hearing it. As you obey the Lord on a daily basis, your muscles in the faith get stronger. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Somehow, I don't know how it happened, an eagle's egg got mixed up with duck eggs. And you know how mothers are. All she knew was that there was an egg with her other egg, and she just nursed those eggs to full maturation. Eggs are hatched. Duck could see that there's something different about this duck. It was bigger and looked different. It ate more than the other uh, ducklets. But because she nurtured it into the world, she treated it like her other little ducklets. And so this eagle learned how to walk like a duck. It tried to quack like a duck. And it thought like a duck. It, 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 it did what the ducks did because that was how it learned to think of itself. But once a year, back on the farm, this eagle with the ducks would look up into the sky and he would notice other eagles flying by. and Something on the inside of the, that, that eagle would make it feel like it could... Could, could soar, it could fly, but no, no, I'm just a quacking, eating, thinking duck. And so this went on for some time, and then finally, this eaglet was drinking water out of a pond, a clear pond. And it saw its reflection in the pond next to a duck, and it said, you know what? although I've been quacking and thinking and eating like a duck, I'm not a duck. <laughs> and with that knowledge of who it really was, the eagle flew to coop. I want you to know that the Bible says that they that wait upon the Lord shall mount up with eagles' wings. God has given you the spirit of an eagle. You should be soaring. You have the ability to transcend your problems and your troubles and your insecurities because of who you are in Christ. And so you don't have to settle for just being a good wife, a good husband, a good student, a good Christian. But I'm an eagle. I'm going to determine today I'm going to be great in Christ. I'm going to be excellent. He's going to get my best. And when he gets your best, God is glorified, and you will be blessed. That's the key to the abundant life. Somebody say, I'm designed. I'm designed for greatness. Amen.